everyone, it's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We will talk about everything from tips and myths on gear, maintenance, techniques, education and so much more with our very informed guests. Thank you for joining us today. On today's podcast, we will be discussing collision avoidance. It has been a bit of a summer, um, one with statistics we don't really quite like. So we figured we would bring in Karen McMillan from the Alberta Safety Council to help us talk a little bit about collision avoidance. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Hi, Leanne. Thanks for having me. It's really nice to chat with you again. And yeah, it's a really important topic based on all of the, the stuff that's been going on. That's never a good day when we hear about the collisions that are going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, we get that news break and it's like uh, on on we go to figure out what went on. And I'm sure you guys do the same thing at the school and you try and teach your students some type of way to avoid collisions. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Just want to know from your standpoint and, and we can banter back and forth on this. What are some of the common scenarios that cause collisions for multi-vehicle collisions? Because when people think collisions, they think more than one person. What would be some common causes for motorcycle-related multi-vehicle? Yeah, so multi-vehicle collisions. So we have we have statistics from Alberta Transportation. So the most recent ones that we have, 30% of the time is actually only with a multi-vehicle. So us and somebody else potentially, right? So for me and what we start to teach in the classroom right off the top is this idea of, are you ready to ride? When you get on your motorcycle, you have to really consciously think about it. Am I ready to go? Do I have good focus enough to deal with a million things that are going to pop out in front of me throughout the course of my ride in a very short span of time? We're having to figure out, okay, what's going on over there? What's going to happen there? For me, it's, uh, okay, am I focused? Where am I going to go with that? Um, after I'm, okay, I'm, I'm ready to ride. Now I'm out in traffic. I have to be on constant alert, and I'm going to look as far ahead as I possibly can. So we're always talking about, about a block in the city, 12 seconds of scanning distance, and I'm going, okay, What's going on up there? There's some brake lights. There's some people turning. There's a whole bunch of piled up cars. What are my options? Where can I go? Where is my out at all times? So that's the really big thing is, is constantly creating this idea of this space bubble around you. So I know what's in front of me. I can see it. My mirrors are what's coming up behind me. Okay. Checking over here on the right, checking over here on the left. And it's not that you're paranoid and it's not this constant negative thing in traffic, but it's create your own space bubble so that you have those options so that you potentially avoid those collisions, right? We Um, had talked about that in an earlier podcast about lane positioning, about, you know, looking far ahead and stuff. Super important to avoid collisions with other vehicles, obviously. Yeah, and the biggest thing that we have with other vehicles is an intersection. So you guys did that. That was your very first topic that you ever did, your public service announcement. You made that commercial, brought it to the public's attention that it's the left-hand turn in the intersection that really does cause the most grief. And it it really is the most hazardous place for us, right? That's why it's probably in the top three killers every year. 
Yeah. Right. So it's this, okay, again, I'm going to, like we talked about this idea of the lane positioning. So say there's three lanes of travel. I'm in the center lane as I approach. If the guy in the left lane, uh, you know, lane number one is slightly ahead of me, that left-hand turning vehicle might see him. But if I'm in the blind spot behind that vehicle, will that turning vehicle actually see me? So am I going to give myself some more space behind? I'm going to increase my distance so that I can actually see that left-hand turning vehicle, or maybe I'm going to move over to the right-hand lane. It's always, if I can't see that left turning vehicle, they can't see me. Right. So it's, you've got to put yourself where you're going to be visible in traffic at all times. Absolutely. And then another one at intersections that just popped into my head is red lights when we're sitting and waiting. And I see a lot of people with both feet on the ground, not in the ready position. That's key for collision avoidance. Explain kind of what we should be doing. So if you're that first person that's off the line, that's kind of an interesting place, right? You're right at the crosswalk. You're, you're talking about this ready position. So that ready position for us, so we'll maybe back up. Maybe not everybody knows what that is. You're in gear. You are with your right foot on the rear brake pedal. Your hand is on the throttle, left foot's on the ground, and you're monitoring the intersection, right? So it's kind of a tough place if there was a car coming up behind you. You know, you're, you're in a tough way. Um, but maybe if the light turns green and that person didn't stop, at least you are in a moment's notice ready to go, right? The light is turned. So if you're sitting with both feet down, you're not in gear, think of how many seconds it's going to take you to react and get yourself into gear and get on the throttle and get the heck out of there, right? So yeah, being ready to go at all times as well. Yeah, I, I I know when I'm at intersections and I'm waiting for a light to turn, I'm probably looking more in my mirrors than I am at the lights just to see at least till one or two cars behind me is stopped. Because if I have that buffer, that's better than nothing. But you still want to be able to scoot away quickly. Yeah. And or not get sandwiched in between two cars. Yeah, exactly. So if, you know, maybe I'm not the first person in line now, but maybe there's two cars in front of me, I'm going to give myself an appropriate stopping distance. And like you're saying, I'm the same as you. I'm constantly looking in my mirrors until there's one or two cars. So at least I would, like you're saying, be able to scooch ahead or at worst case, I'm going to pull in in between two cars, potentially. you know, give yourself some room to make a better decision to get out of there so you're not getting that sound. Yeah, it's always having that out. And yeah, so exactly. now you had said that, like, it, according to Alberta Transportation, usually it's only about 30% involve other vehicles. That means 70% are single vehicle collisions for our exactly. community. What are some yeah. of the scenarios we find ourselves in for single vehicle? Like, obviously, that's rider error it, most of the time. Error. Yeah, and it's uh, potentially that you don't have skills. For those situations, it's also potentially that you're exceeding your skill level. The biggest one, again, I'm, I'm, you know, I go back to the statistics because that's what we teach in class just to make a point is the biggest one is that 40% of the time it's because we're running off the road in a curve, right? We're losing control of the motorcycle. We either are going way too fast for what we've got into. So again, it's paying attention to the little yellow diamond that says, you know, hey, whoo. 
up ahead, there's a curve and you should really only go this speed, especially if you're not even familiar with the road and you don't want to push it. Right. Yeah. I not have the technique either. Right. My very first year after licensing with you guys, um, cause back then, sorry, sorry, new newbies. We used to be able to lot test, <laughs> never hit the road until like the next day. But, um, yeah, those, those were the days. Uh, I remember being out with some of my friends and we were out by Onaway and I did exactly that. I went too hot into a corner on a road I wasn't familiar with and I ended up, thankfully there was no oncoming traffic, but I ended up on the other side of the whole road completely. And I'm like, I need to ride for me. Like I can't think that I'm going to keep up with these guys that have been riding for decades. I need to ride for me and I'll stay alive. Yeah, and we did have a collision a couple of years ago on that road, on that Onaway Highway. It's a it's a favorite, right? It's it's a nice twisty road, pretty pretty scenery, you know, there's great pie at the end. There's always great pie and ice cream, right? That's what I'm riding for. But we did have that collision and it was, you know, not that they went into oncoming traffic, but that they looked to the outside edge because we start to drift wide, so it was a right hand uh, curve. And the guy hit the barricade and off he went, Mm. right? And part of that is, do you have the skill? Do you understand that technique of push steering or counter steering, whatever terminology that you're comfortable using? And then what ends up happening when we get into those situations is that human instinct takes over and we start to target fixate, right? And instead of looking away from the object that we're headed towards, we can't help but stare right at it. So ours is always, you know, look harder in the direction you want to go and push harder on the bar where you want to go and, and keep going in that direction. But again, like you're talking about drive to your skill level and, and pay attention to what's going to come up in front of you. Right. Even on the really fun roads in BC that I get to ride every single year, cause I go to the Kootenays every single year, my first Pass down the 31A between New Denver and Kaslope. Some of you are listening, never done that road. Trust me, go do it. Be easy the first (laughs) time you do it and then go like learn it and then go back and maybe you test yourself a little bit more. But if you don't know the road really well, you should probably, or if you're not like a road racer professionally, you know, like they can follow lines pretty well and but the average person can't. You guys teach um, some avoidance techniques in the Learn to Ride course, I'm assuming also in the advanced. Can you tell me what some of those techniques would be to avoid collisions? You know, we spend a considerable amount of time in our Motorcycle Essentials course where we're learning those techniques properly. So this one where we're talking about going into a curve, we talk about push steering. We explain right off the top that it's different from bicycle steering. So we spend the first little bit of the course going, okay, we're in slow speed. You're turning the bars in the direction you want to go. But at this speed, that 20 to 25 and above, physics takes over. And you have to steer like this, where you're inputting, uh, you know, a force onto the bar. You're pushing on the bar in the direction that you want the bike to go. So we work through a slalom. Then we move on to a little bit more assertive push steering where we set up an obstacle in the middle of the course and we're giving the students a direction 
you're going to go this way or you're going to go that way. And then we can see, do they actually understand the technique at that point and how do they react? What are, you know, what kind of push do they have? Was it abrupt? Was it smooth? Was it enough? You know, those kinds of things. So that's in the beginner course that we get those techniques because that those are the life-saving ones, right? And we also focus on breaking. Mm-hmm. We spend a considerable amount of time. So again, we don't just go, okay, right off the top, we're going to do emergency braking. No, 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 no. We're going we're gonna to start you off, you know, little slower speeds, easy squeeze on the brake. We talk about the percentages of braking. Here's how you should do it. Here's some good talk technique. Give them some real world and all analogies so that they understand the kind of squeeze that they need. And then we build up from there and then we move into that emergency, right? And the brake. Um, the advanced course, we wrap it up. So a lot of people use the advanced course as a way to up the ante a bit. We always suggest that you've got about 5,000 kilometers on the bike. And then we put you out on the lot. You've got your own machine. You're pretty familiar and happy with it. And we do those emergency breaks and we ramp the speeds up. So, you know, we start at 20, we move to 30, then we move to 40 and we started to encourage you to squeeze more and more and more. Um, the swerving stuff that we do, it's really assertive swerving that we've got going as well. And we set up a couple of different exercises and it's always fun. They're, they're super challenging and they're, they're, they're really fun to put yourself through where we're doing, you know, over there and you're <laughs> doing some zigzaggy actions and there's, you know, oftentimes there's triangles flying and, you know, people are hitting them because we really do want to push that, push the limit and really understand what the bike is capable of doing so that when you get into these situations that you can get yourself out of trouble. Because right? if you're properly trained and you understand how these techniques work, like emergency swerving, uh, emergency braking, creating that bubble, that distance, in all reality, you should be able to get yourself out of nearly every single potential incident that could happen, correct? Yeah, exactly. And we also talk about this idea of traction where you you might have this, okay, I, I really understand emergency braking. I practiced it out on the road. Great. We talk about, okay, practice your emergency swerving and pick off little things out on the road, like a little tar snakes, a little pothole, and practice at different speeds and really understand what the bike will do, your bike weight and the bike speed now at that point, right? But in our course as well, we have a section down in the classroom where we talk about traction. So, you know, again, it's that idea of something happens in front of me. It might not be a vehicle per se. Maybe it's a, a mattress fell off the back of the truck. Yes, we have to swerve around the object, but maybe when I moved over, there's a car parked right there in that second lane because everybody has slammed their brakes off. You know, we've, we've all stopped. Everything has come to a complete halt. Now I have to also do an emergency brake. But this idea of separating those very two assertive actions so that we don't exceed our traction limit. Right. right. So the, the two of those together would yeah. probably put you down on the ground real quick. Yeah. If you, if you're in a hard lean and you just, you know, on the brakes like crazy, you're going to lose traction. You just feed it, right? So the idea of learning to separate those two actions, and we do discuss that in all of the courses that we do. That would be a really quick, like, emergency swerve, get stood up and break. And it's like, it's really quick. But if you have the skills and you've practiced them, they can do that. We have a a former board member who did your advanced uh, rider 
and then wrote about it for us. Oh, cool. And she had said that uh, that's Debbie Sarah Fishon. Oh, yes, yeah. Debbie. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, we all know Debbie. <laughs> Love oh, her. She's really fun in the course. Uh, oh, right? I, she's me? a, she's a hoot yeah. no matter what, they but do it all the time. They come back year after yeah. year and it's awesome. But right? the, yeah. And, and the whole point of her going is I, I think that we paid for her to go because she was on the board at that time. And, mm-hmm. um, and the whole point was she'd been riding for a few years and decided this might be a good thing and grabbed a couple other people to come, I believe, and said it was the best thing that she'd ever done. We all develop these really bad habits throughout our riding careers and these advanced courses, regardless of who you take them from, point those out and try and undo them. And then you're like, oh yeah, that's so much easier. And then you're going to go back into life and become somewhat complacent and pick up bad habits again. And, you know, but that's when you're, not on your full game, I would think. Yeah, the, the, those folks in Debbie's group, they're actually called the ice cream bandits. I, yes. I wonder, they, I wonder what they arrive for. <laughs> so, and they're a hoot, right? And they come and they have a really great time. And that's what we talk about in the course is we say, yes, you have become a complacent, but we have those people that come back. Like I said, I've got repeat customers on those courses. They come every two to three years. No, maybe a little longer, but they're like, yep, like you're saying, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm losing it and I really want you to get on me for doing this. I want to know what distance I can stop it. How many cones am I going to hit? Did I actually push assertively enough to get through this little exercise that you've got set up, right? So yeah, it's super important just to keep the skills fresh all the time. I know somebody else who maybe might need to do one of those. You might be looking or talking to her right now. Oh. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been in a course, but I mean, I get all the education all year round in these podcasts and it's great, but it's still not um, applied practice. It's uh, yeah. the conversation. And, and again, I just want to bring this up again, because it's something I mentioned earlier. The writing for you is also key in collision avoidance. And I know I kind of talked about it, but can you, again, put your spin on why riding for you is the most, probably the most important in collision avoidance? Yeah, so we have folks that are brand new riders, right? We got folks that leave our course and they're going to ride with that person who has, okay, let's say 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years. I have a lot of students that come for coaching after they go out for their first ride with these folks and these friends of theirs. And they say, you know what? I was really uncomfortable with this person because in that moment they expected me to keep up and they took me. We were all of a sudden out on the white mud and then we're merging onto the Hende. I'm, I'm not ready to go at a hundred kilometers an hour on the first ride or two that I'm doing. So it's this idea of discussing that with the person that you're going to ride with and saying, look, I'm, I'm really new. I've only been out in traffic maybe once or twice Can we establish where we're going to go? Can I establish what speed we're going to do? What road are we going to take? Can we stop on an often like on a regular basis so that we can sort of discuss how it's going and get some tips and some pointers, right? And they should really be following you just so that you're comfortable, so that you're setting the pace, right? Um, And even if you start to become a more, you know, a, a more experienced rider, say you've got a couple years under your belt and like you, heading to Caslow and New Denver for the first time, 
in Alberta, we don't get a chance to do a lot of those curvy roads, right? Like we got the little on away thing. If you go up to Myatt Hot Springs, there's little curvy bits, right? Um, but the, the center of BC there is where the, all the fun is. So again, even if you have those experiences, you still have to discuss with those people, okay, this is how I'm comfortable. And quite frankly, I'm good. You guys go ahead. I'm going to meet you at the next gas station. It's like, you know, whatever it is. I don't know. It's a 20 minute or a half an hour down the road. I'm good. You're going to meet me there. You're going to have an extra 10 minutes on me and I'm perfectly fine with that. Or, you know, the first time that I ever did that road, it was years back. My buddy was like, you know what? You go in front. I'll keep way back. I won't catch up with you. I'll keep an eye on you in case you've got some difficulty, but don't feel any pressure. I'm just enjoying the day. I'm not really interested in going fast today either. So you got to go with folks that are going to respect your skill level, but bottom line is you have to respect your skill level. Yes, you're always, yeah, you're going to push yourself and have and challenge yourself challenge yourself to do better right but yeah that's how you get better not in this extreme jump in skill level and that and that's what i like at my triumph rally that i do which is why we always talk about bc roads and kootenays Mm -hmm. because i I like like we all speak from experience right i I took the big group out on the friday ride and and that's the we go up to caslow and over to new denver but we stop at the lake that's in between there at Fish Lake and we set up for individual pictures with our photographer. Before we even hit the road, I had a ton of new people from the States who have never seen that road. And right. and we have a group conversation before and I explain, you know, you more seasoned people who know this road, I want you up front. And then kind of there are intermediate riders. I want you in the middle. People have never seen this road. I kind of want you at the back and just do your thing and get to yeah, this exactly. lake safely. And there was a, a, a good time difference between when I got out there first only because there was some uh, delay with everybody else getting out of Nelson. So I ended up way ahead of everybody with like two other people, one who phenomenal rider and I waved him ahead of me. I'm like, you just go. The other one was like, if I go with him, I'm going to die. So I'm going to stay with Leanne. She's being more <laughs> responsible. And then as we go through, you know, 31A, get everybody sent off for pictures and I waited for the photographer and rode back with him. We went backwards instead of keeping going around the loop. And he had said to me, just go whatever pace you want to go. I'll, I'll like, I'll catch up with you by Caslow. And I said, okay. And I was just going to tootle along. And then we stopped just outside of Caslow and he goes, that was a really great pace. And I'm like, it's 30, whatever degrees out. It's hot. I'm not focused, right? I'm not going to you know, exactly. and that's, you got to know where your limits are. Yeah. And I like, like you had just mentioned, and I mentioned this in class, you get on that twisty road. Like you say, you've never seen it before. It says, ah, recommended. This is the speed Go in the, okay, now I'm going to go North. Okay. Like you turn around. Now we're going to go South. Okay. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to take it up two kilometers. Okay. There was that really tricky corner. I wasn't really happy with that. Okay. Now I can go North and you can go back and forth all day long and get more and more familiar with the road and then focus more on the skills that you're trying to build there and be confident with what you're doing instead of, you know, you're headed for the barricade and then you're, then the panic is there. And And then we have problems. Yes. And then we're back to the hitting the barricade business. Right. So, yeah, I think that 
That's, that's awesome. Like, I think that we have, we've had a lot of great like tips and scenarios on collision avoidance and braking and emergency maneuvers and stuff. You're so awesome to give up time for me all the time to do this. And thank you, Karen. Like the safety council is such a great supporter of what we're doing and I appreciate you guys. So thank you for being on the show again. Oh, well, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a great partnership. You guys do an awesome job and you really put it out there to the public. So thanks for all your hard work as well, Leanne. It's been a great season. I've listened to all the podcasts. It's been great. What's your favorite one besides this Uh, one? uh, I did like the one with Chris. Yeah. When he was chatting from TNT. On the lane positioning. Yeah. Yeah. That was also pretty good. It, you know, sort of lays it out for everybody. It's, it's all the good tips, right? We have so many great local um, people who can talk about all different topics and they're all Albertan and we all understand what we all ride through. And it's, it's fantastic. It's so great. Right on. (laughs) Thanks again, Leanne. That was great. That was big fun meeting with you again. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karen. To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones, please make sure that you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast ear candy from. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest that you think would be great on the show, let us know. How? Well, you can follow us on all the socials or reach out through our website at ab-amss.org or email info at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe and think bike. We will see you out on the road.